Most people tell you the number one killer of companies, what closes more company down is what? Lack of cash. And I'm gonna say it, there's something that I would even put before that, it's lack of resourcefulness. Because if you're resourceful, there's always a way, there's always cash. Welcome to the Scaling Fast Lane. I'm your host, Valerie Booth. Today, we're taking an in-depth look at the five phases of funding with a focus on innovative strategies for business growth. Our speaker, Agency Ventures Aggregator CEO, Tom Shipley, an expert in navigating the financial landscape, breaks down the complexities of funding from early stage bootstrapping to securing venture capital and private equity. This episode is invaluable for any entrepreneur seeking to understand the financial intricacies of scaling a business. Join us as we unveil the secrets of successful funding tailored for the ambitious business mind. I have learned through a lot of trial and error and a lot of hard ways, the fundamentals of part of what it is to leverage and create shortcuts is access to capital. And we should always be looking to build access to capital, even and especially when we don't need it. Because if you have access to it and have the relationships and have decent a lot of credit, it creates opportunities. So when those big opportunities come up or as I shared before, sometimes life is, um, life is going great and you have these great gale force winds behind your back and suddenly, just like that, we hit that concrete wall. Most people tell you the number one killer of companies, what closes more company down is what? Lack of cash. And I'm gonna say it, there's something that I would even put before that, it's lack of resourcefulness. Because if you're resourceful, there's always a way, there's always cash. But cash is king and therefore, you have to always focus on the cash of the business and understand it and have access to it because there's bad things that are gonna happen that were unexpected, unpredicted. And the one, before I jump into the subject and have a lot of information that I'll try to cover is, let me share one thing that I've learned along the way is that when the wind's at your back and you know that basically you can't do anything wrong, your organization can't and everything is perfect, it is never as good as you think it is. But I can share with you this is over and over again, I've learned is when you're at the precipice of disaster, everyone tells you to quit, give up, you're done. There is no, I've had several times, my advisors and my board said, you're done, the company's done, you have no moves left. You exhausted all possibilities, take care of your family and just cut and run. What I've learned is no matter how bad it is, it's never as bad as you think it is. There's always a way out, there's always options, there's always tomorrow, and this is where if you can just be calm, and this is something that they tested us in Special Forces, and what we had to lean into is breathe, be calm, open up your mind, shift from scarcity to abundance, and there's always to make, ways to make things happen. So what I'm hoping to share with you today and through my, my stories is just in one area of access to capital, how to give you access to capital and think creatively. And if you think about it is that, yes, it, raising money can be stressful, but it also can be a lot of fun, especially if you're creativity and you can use a lot of creativity and it should not be scary. It's just some fundamentals and there's some easier ways to do it. I'm sure everyone here has raised money for their company by at least getting a credit card. There's, and again, there's fundamental, there's bank loan, there's other ways of doing it. So we'll do that and also cover some ways of, of, of actually doing it through acquisitions without capital. But everything is still access to it. Um, and I will, the learnings that I'm gonna share are through a lot of sources, a lot that I've learned over the years. I 
picked up a number, um, um, a, um, a person who is a friend that I respect a lot is Roland Frazier, if you know him, who put together also a massive list of different ways to, um, to get access to capital. So part of that's from that, part of it's my own learning and other sources, so I'll be sharing that today. So why don't we start with this. Um, five stages of funding, and this is when you look at your company, unless I'm going to switch to the agency world and talk about things in uh, agencies and service businesses, is you start, uh, you have this idea for your launch. So how many people here thought about their business and their launch and said, okay, I'm going to moonlight, and while I do my first, while I'm building my company, I'm going to make money, keep my current job, and then bring on some clients and start revenue on the side for the new business. How many people did that, okay? And so that's typically the first phase. Um, and then when you actually launch, you need access to, um, to capital, and typically a lot of people in the agency worlds wait till they get their first client, and then you say, okay, I got my first big clients. I have a couple small ones, my first big clients, and then you have the um, fortitude to jump ship and take the risk and just jump and go all in with your business. You quit your job and um, and then you start hiring employees and then you get credit cards and if you maybe get a bank line sometimes you lean into your personal debt. I know I've done that where um, I'll share stories of not only how I mortgage my house and credit cards, 401k, but also I figured a secret when you run out of all options. I own two cars and I can get loans out against my cars and that's how I fed my pair of my family for a period of time with one of my businesses. You can, again, it's resourcefulness. But again, we've all done that from launch phase. Growth, um, it's, there's two different businesses. There's product businesses and service business. Beautiful thing about service businesses is typically great margins and consistent uh, cash flow. And occasionally if you have all your eggs in the baskets of some big companies, it's an issue and waiting, we have to pay sometimes your vendors before you, before you collect the funds and then you need to figure out other different methods. Some people get receivable lines and we'll talk about that, about how you handle those short, shortest, those uh, gaps in cash flow. But you find different ways to grow your business and to scale it. And finally, to create exit opportunities, there's also different ways of getting finance and sometimes you can do things, interesting things like sell to your employees. You can get outside comp how do you know, how can you sell to your company, your company, your, your employees? Your employees have no money. No, there are companies out there that will give you, help fund your employees taking over your companies. So again, there's multiple ways to do this. We'll cover some of the 260s today. Okay, now, what can you use capital for? And what do you need it for? So. First of all is, first of all, expansion, okay? And the way I talk, look about expansion is, is I'm gonna open up new offices in different countries, different cities as a way of doing expansion. Product expansions, right now my business is, I'm a media publishing company, I wanna go into info products. I am a um, uh, PPC and I wanna go into other types of media buying. It really doesn't matter the expansion overall is, but I wanna expand, uh, expand my business from that way. I wanna scale through marketing. I wanna grow through acquisitions and I need funding for that. There's gonna be volatility in my business and I need to cover my operations and I need to cover payroll or in uh, product businesses, it's inventory. And again, the beautiful thing about agency and service business cash flow is a little bit easier in product business. There's a lot of volatility for inventory and other costs there. The margins in product businesses, 
typically suck, where in agencies they're really beautiful from that perspective. And then finally, staffing. Sometimes we want to over-index and we want to invest in people. So that's what we do. But let me share this is that I like to have access to funding, but I question is just because you have access to funding doesn't mean you should get it or use it. I was talking to some entrepreneur and he has an extremely successful business and his is one of the leading music management company. It used to be based out of Nashville, now they're based out of Austin. And he, again, he's growing nicely, and I don't remember what he does, five or seven million in revenue and growing very nicely. And he said, I'm bringing cap, I'm, I'm ready, about to raise equity. I said, why are you doing that? He said, I want to hire um, people to scale my business. How many people are you going to hire? And he says, here's my list of five people. I said, okay, you're making two and a half million dollars in revenue and profit a year, and you're going to hire these people. You want to hire them all seven at once? Okay, and so that's going to be $800,000 in over a year, but then break that down into monthly. So why are you diluting the value and spending your time raising capital when you can fund it yourself? I don't understand this. And we went through the question of why, why, why. So I'm gonna say is before you bring in access capital, or especially equity, understand why you're doing it. There's a core reason is. Just because someone's willing to come up with you and says, hey, I wanna invest in your business or if you want a loan, I'll give it to you. Just have a clear purpose for that. So um, if ever, okay, one, two, three, okay, that was a 260 I said I share it with you, okay? Did you get that? So um, seriously, there's, so many things, and I could actually spend probably about eight hours telling stories about different ones of this. We're not going to go through each one. Um, maybe another time we'll create a course and a program on this, just to give you examples on how to use it, but understand the creativity involved. But we will be going through some of this, and as I share with you, we put together a very fast ebook where I went through a quick explanation of, I don't remember, it was 250 or 260, and I'll send that to you at the end. Let me share with you is that some quick lessons about funding is um, just because you're borrowing money and you have to be very careful is the outcomes are not guaranteed, and you have to watch how you over leverage your company if you're doing it through debt and what you're doing. There are advantages and disadvantages from all different types of equity. So um, understand the outcomes are never guaranteed. Um, and if everyone's looking for with anything is, um, how many people have ever seen a perfect business plan? Well, every business plan is perfect until you start to implement it, right? So there's no such thing as a perfect uh, funding strategy. Um, there are just different strategies and, and you just have to figure out what's right with and what's right for you at that time, but always have backups. And for me is, whenever I'm funding a new business, a business expansion, I have my plan A, plan B, plan C, and plan D, and typically I'm working on two or three of them at the same time. Um, and because you never know what's gonna change and what opportunities may come up. As I shared at the very beginning is always be building credit for your business because you never know when that perfect acquisition is gonna come up. Said, oh, if only I had access to X, and starting again, getting, depending on the marketplace, uh, capital can, you know, typically I know that pulling together capital is a three to six months process, period. And that's under best conditions, and markets like this can be a nine-month or 12-month process, okay? When you bring investors in, um, you know, it's one of these things is that investors come in, they understand there's a risk involved when you're bringing equity investors in. However, whenever I bring investors in to any of our organization, the level of responsibility, not only fiduciary responsibility, but also emotional responsibility, changes drastically. I can, you know, 
Peter knows that um, I've taken significant risk, and thank God I have a wife that supports me with it. I have no idea why. Um, several times she said, okay, we're never doing that again. We're not taking risks. Next time you start a business, it's $100. Yeah, right. Uh, so <laughs> that's the way it starts. But um, Peter knows when at the very beginning we brought in, decided that I did something that I've done for 20 years. Instead of using institutional investors, we decided to... Um, but the problem is bringing institutional investors when there's a massive upside, they typically get a very big share of the upside and on people in my network. So this time we said, let's do something fun and let's bring in some people in our network to invest with us and give them the opportunity to do it. Let them share for the upside. But then as businesses sit challenges, as we started this and originally did is, the sleepless nights I had was not because of me or the month that we put in or what we put at risk because let's face it, um, there's a story that I'll share with you later that we were on the precipice of disaster. We were losing everything. We'd probably have a problem with the IRS. We'd lose our house and everything else. And my wife asked me the question is, is what's the worst case that's going to happen? We went through this whole exercise. And I said, she said, so what's going to be, in, where are we going to be in five years if we lose everything? I said, probably looking at a new liquidity event selling a business for $50 million. So what's the problem, Tom? But that's, that's me personally. But if I bring in investors, it's a, it's a different level of risk because ultimately is they understand risk, but it is my reputation. And that's one thing I've won in my life. So understand that as we bring in investors and even industri and, and let me just share this with you from uh, institutional investors. Institutional investors understand there's risk. And even if the outcome poor, turns out poorly, which you do everything to make sure it doesn't, if you are be, have integrity, if you communicate clearly, if you do the right things, it doesn't mean they won't invest in with you in the future. But the question is, is, did you have a good plan? Did you execute? Did you communicate well? Did you do the right thing by them on a regular basis? Um, and also, um, there are things that are going to happen. The unexpensive does happen along the way in their failures. And um, I'll share this. My, one of my great lessons I learned years ago is um, bad news is kind of like milk, and it's not wine. It doesn't age well. Okay? So whenever bad things happen, and it always does in a business, is the first thing whenever you have, especially a lender, is the first responsibility you have is quickly put together your thoughts, get the information, but don't let a day or two pass without letting the lender know, your debt lender, because they're your partner on that, what's going on, and if you don't have a plan, you say, I'll have a plan within a day or two and I'll share it with you and share information often. If you hide from them or hide information, you lose credibility, and then your business gets in trouble. Things to prepare yourself for is, first of all, understand the type of, 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 of lending that you're getting or capital you're getting in the business is, there's a different spectrum of different criteria. Some is easier to get, some is more difficult, some is bigger amounts of money, some is smaller. Some is about how much control you're gonna lose. I mean, if you're bringing outside capital in the, into, into your business, there is a fiduciary responsibility and a real responsibility you have. Depending on what the relationship is, you have different um, uh, reporting covenants and guidelines you're gonna have. And if you, bring, if you actually bring in large, inst larger institutions, especially such as private equity, in certain ways, now you have a boss. And I'll talk about that more tomorrow, okay? Um, 
And what's really magic a lot of this time is your network. You're, you're surprised at where you can find relationships for capital. Um, I'm missing like seven or eight slides here. Do you want me to pop back? Let me just pop it open and switch. Yeah, please. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, guys. No, that's okay. You have my original deck? Yeah, my PowerPoint? I just need to airdrop it, so keep rolling and okay. reload it. Okay. That's always a surprise. Okay, while I'm doing this, while I'm stopping, so there's a lot more information I share. I have my different types of uh, different types of capital. I'll break it down. Anyways, so we went through this real quickly. Um, equipment and technology I put there, but there's different ways um, to fund those that are a little bit different. Okay, so let's go through sources. First of all, we all know this one. We've all probably done this is self-funding. And um, self-funding uh, from a creativity perspective is credit cards, cash, 401ks, you can take loans against it. If you have universal life, you can take loans against that. Mortgages, I found out that you can actually um, take loans against your cars. So there's a lot of things from um, self-funding that you have access to. And in challenging times in our business, sometimes we hit those downturns in order to make payroll, we have to do that. Then, And the one thing that I hope everyone knows is the one thing you never play games with is uh, you never play games if you uh, with your employees' uh, taxes, tax payments. So never play games with that. So, um, uh, friends and family. Um, I'm looking at that, and as I share with you, Ava, we brought in some friends that we allowed them to participate because I want them part of the journey and the upside on this. Um, also, my first business, 20 years, uh, 21 years ago. I raised a few million dollars and it was from a network of friends and families and networks. And we'll talk a little bit a lot later, the SEC regulations around that on how that has to be done and what allows you to do that. Um, uh, banks, obviously from uh, bank loans, bank lines, cash flows, but obviously institutional banks, especially over the last few years have gotten very conservative. It's a lot more challenging and there are some real restrictions there. Business financing. So as much as possible, and I don't think we really focus on this, is vendors and, you know, vendors. And the, the better terms you get from your vendors, again, you'd be surprised if you don't ask, if you don't push from it, is a vendor might tell you they have terms of net seven, net 15, net 30 days, okay? If you get your vendors and negotiate well with them based on certain commitments you make from volume and get them to 60 or 90 day terms or work around that is it gives you the opportunity as you might not need that now, but that might be the key extra half million dollars of what you need to do an acquisition or the down payment for an acquisition. Same thing, credit cards, always building your credit and your credit limits because over time at Atlantic Coast Brands, we started with can we get a $10,000 credit card on our business? Over time, Amex extended us a million, uh, I think we got up to $2 million that we used for media and got terms and got extensions on it and it was great. Um, and plus for points was also great on that, but also for media buying, as many as, I don't know if everyone is using this for, uh, if you're using it for media buying is, you get your, you get, if you're the right things, you get cash back and you can get anywhere from two to 4% cash back and that's just straight margin as you're doing media buying. I met one company that they're doing media buying for uh, no charge and they're literally taking risk doing it in no charge. It was a company we looked at and if they would just use a, a car, basically put on a card with cash back, they'd be at least making that level of 2% or 4% margin on that. Um, 
asset baseline. An asset baseline means that you have simply an asset. It could be um, you have an accounts receivable, whether it's from uh, client, Google, it really doesn't matter, is is basically if accounts receivable from that is you can get funding against that. And depending on the quality, it can be as much as 85% of, 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 of that um, in advance. And uh, also inventory, media, and invoice, invoice funding. Um, and I'll be talking a lot more about media funding and how I've educated companies and trained asset-based lenders how to do it for the first time. Um, angel investors that are out there, their angel networks, we'll talk about sources, family offices, venture capital, which is basically more towards earlier stage, higher risk organization. Venture capital has a spectrum. They know that one out of every 10 business that they're gonna invest in is gonna fail. They know that they believe that one or two are gonna be home runs and everything is gonna be a decent return in between. They're wired for that. Real money is raised from private equity. Private equity has massive pools of fund and can help you sustain large periods of growth. Um, if you, I've used private equity for too early of a stage and there's too much controls because private equity um, is used to growth equity, they're used to very profitable business and they like to have control on their businesses. And that's where when you bring private equity in, it's a great source of significant growth and acquisition capital, but you do have a boss. Um, the different things that I think about when I'm, raising, when I'm deciding which is right for me is, first of all, it's what's my short-term goals and what's my long-term goals for the capital. And sometimes it is if I bring the wrong source of capital structure in the wrong, wrong way right now, it might be fine for right now, but it's going to prohibit what I can get long term. Uh, also cost, and whenever I do this, and sometimes I don't do it just by myself, I bring in outside experts that show me, uh, that are looking for the hidden cost of what are the fees, what is the interest, and what is the equity structure on that. Um, and for example, I'm doing uh, mezzanine level financing right now in addition to the equity we're bringing in. Um, who here knows what, can anyone share what mezzanine financing is? It can be bridge um, financing and mezzanine the way I've used it, but I've had mezzanine financing at Atlantic Coast Brands. We had it for, we had one, one mezzanine lender for seven years and we had another one for six years, okay? So mezzanine lender is not, and is in between, it's not equity and it's not debt. It's debt equity, it's between. So typically what they do, it's typically high interest rate so it's for where you typically bring in equity, but you say the problem with equity is, is you give away a big piece of your business. The problem with debt is they won't, debt won't fund most businesses. So sometimes you might say, okay, um, my business is growing, it's fine, I need access to capital, I need access to capital for acquisitions, so I'm willing to pay high interest rate, meaning 15 to 18% interest rate, and give away 5% my company, but that's better than me giving away 60% of my company. And that's what mezzanine is very, very, very powerful for. But understanding all the cost and the fees, the structure, and when you close is very important for that, as well as the equity. Like I said, mezzanine is typically anywhere from two to 10% of equity they'll take in your company in a form in uh, penny warrants or options. Uh, the, term of, uh, the term of it, whether it's some lenders are coming in for, um, uh, whether it's one year, two years, or five. The other thing is, from a term perspective, is um, 
I always look at terms and what return. Every time I'm talking with a lender, I want to always, um, or, or an equity or whoever it is, I ask is, what sectors do you invest in? So understand, do they understand my best or my, 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 my vertical? Um, what have you invested in in my space in the past? And what is your timeline for your investment? They'll tell me it's two years, five years, seven years, or 80 years, or 10 years. So I understand when they have to get their money back. And the, um, and the final thing is, what return are you looking for? So I can understand in negotiation how to structure it from a return perspective. Uh, understand the level of control they want. Private equity wants significant control. Um, depending on the type of uh, financing you bring in, there's a different level of overhead. Um, liquidity as well as timing. Um, some are quick, to, if I need, if I want to get financing right now, I can, there are certain things I can get financing in a month. Credit cards, there's other, again, there's different things I can do immediately. Certain things are gonna take time on that. Um, also, leveraging outside resources. So outside, um, outside resources is, um, start with this is, I can't tell you how many times I brought in funding that I've actually used outside brokers. Um, I've used, uh, or I've used investment banks. Investment banks are typically great for selling your business. Um, also, I've used um, my outside network from financial planners, my accountants, my lawyers, to give me access to relationships that turned out being the key to get funded in the future, whether it's equity debt or some other structure I never was considering. Um, investor acquisition agencies. There are agents, advertising agencies and marketing agencies out there that will help uh, help you create a strategy, help tell your story, help create the deck, help actually if you're looking to using a uh, fund, uh, crowdsourcing funding, they'll actually produce the video for you. That increases probably drastic of you getting, of you getting funding. Uh, social media, again, dip, um, using your network, I'm looking for this, who do you know when you tell people out there? But understand that if you're raising money from individual investors, always use an attorney, an SEC attorney, because you don't want to cross the line there, okay? With, with restrictions, because I can't raise money from individual investors unless I have the right securities I'm setting it up as. That could be a reg, we'll talk about this later, reg D offering, reg CF, reg A offering. Um, crowdfunding advisor, crowdfunding websites, and there's so many now that I wish I had access to 20 years ago. And there's also different associations. There's industry associations, there's family office association, there's angel network associations that you can, that you can lean, lean into. Okay, and just a few um, things to think about is, um, we talked about the very beginning when I talked about what your life wants to be life. And again, what, it's beautiful. We all have to understand what motivates us and what drives us, okay? With me, I'm momentum driven and I'm a builder and I need to have impact in life. And the bigger I can, more zeros I can put on the companies I'm involved with, the more impact I can have. However, I am so jealous of people who figured out the key where it's all about quality of life and lifestyle businesses. It's not me and I wish it was and I'm very jealous about it, but understanding what your goals are. But understand this is if you wanna lean into it, and create something great is, don't do something stupid, but fortune favors the brave. Thanks for listening to the Scaling Fastlane podcast. If you enjoyed this content and are looking for a more immersive experience, join us at the next Scale at Speed live event. 
It's packed with dynamic content, expert insights, and a room full of like-minded, action-oriented agency leaders. Come elevate your scaling journey in person. Visit scaleatspeedlive.com to ensure your spot today. We can't wait to see you there.